You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. I'm one of the elders of Believers Baptist Church, and with me on the podcast today is another one of our elders, Philip Castleton. And Philip, we are finishing up the Sermon on the Mount, or the Beatitudes today, and this will be the last of these seven that we've done previously are kind of all capsulated in this particular um, beatitude in that if you live the first seven, this eighth beatitude about persecution is the expected result in many ways. I think so. Yeah. And right now in the headlines in our culture, um, we are actually recording this the end of August. And this is 2021, but the United States has just pulled out of Afghanistan Mm -hmm. so that um, it's chaotic over there. Taliban is uh, taking over the cities and coming in and uh, destroying lives and homes and properties. And um, Christians are fearing for their life there. They are um, in hiding some, and they are being intimidated. They are... um, being uh, threatened, and so um, persecution is real in our world. We don't have it in our neck of the woods. We don't have it in the United States, and we've been blessed. Yeah, to some extent, you're right. I, I was listened. I listened to a podcast this morning of a man um, that's a pastor up north somewhere who um, wh- who went to jail for 17 days. I mean, you know, so yeah, it's not something that we have to deal with much here, but right. but our neighbors to the north just recently have. Oh, yes, in Canada right. because of the pandemic, because of the coronavirus pandemic, but mm-hmm. yes, you know, by um, yeah. God's grace through most of western history, um, religious liberty has been something that's been granted and we are not threatened with bodily bodily harm yeah. at this moment and and yet when we read the scripture that seems to be what should be expected for those who would live godly in Christ, Je- Christ Jesus, yeah. as Paul says as he's writing to Timothy. No, absolutely. And in fact, yeah, I think that uh, you know we we tend. I think we 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 think that this is the rule rather than the exception to the rule. Yes. You know, I think that um, if we let Scripture speak as it does, and um, we would understand that um, the particular time in history in which we live and the the uh, the uniqueness of the freedoms that we have as you know in the United States are 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 unique if exactly that they're unique to world history right um, it's been the case that um, followers of Christ um, have been persecuted that they uh, they are um, not tolerated right um, as uh, so yeah it this isn't the um, if I think rightly thought church history uh, considered uh, this is the exception, not the rule. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so the words that we're about to read from Matthew chapter 5 are relevant because as you come into uh, any typical church in Western society, particularly in the United States, and you come to these verses, and blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, you know, one of the first thoughts in our mind is, well, what does that got to do with me, you know, because we just don't have it. Well, and it goes on, though. The rest of the you know, text says, blessed when they revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. So um, we, there's a sense in which we do 
um, it, it, I mean, not the bodily harm part, but right. I mean, if we're rightly living the other seven, then it should be that we're a contrast to our culture and our neighbors yes. and uh, in such a way that, that they do revile us. Right. They do hate us. They do say, um, you know, un, untruthful things about us. So there is a sense in which uh, it could still be real and true of us and yet not necessarily be threat of bodily harm. That's right. And and I guess that's a good clarity because it is easy to go immediately to the idea of bodily harm, uh, martyrdom, uh, when we think about persecution. But right. but it is clear uh, from the text and <clears throat> from personal experience that um, you do have um, the reviling, uh, the false accusations. In fact, let me go back and let's just read verses 10, 11, and 12 from Matthew chapter 5. This is the king right. uh, making the king's declaration of what to uh, do and how to live in the kingdom, if you will. This is right. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So let's think about what you were just saying, Philip, because there are th- at least three ways that are given to us by Jesus in these verses that we can experience persecution. You can be reviled. Mm-hmm. You can uh, have things spoken about you that are evil, and you can be falsely accused of things. And so these three things then become um, parameters or, or at least marks, I guess, of the fact that persecution can come without bodily harm, no doubt. Sure. Um, and I think that when, in looking at this, there's a promise that comes here because I want to get to the question that we want to answer because this is the Asking for a Friend podcast. Sure. And we always start with a question. So let's do that. How are those who are persecuted blessed? If you're being reviled or falsely accused or people are uttering all kinds of evil against you, how is that a blessing? Well, it says specifically in verse 10 that um, it's ble- they're blessed ultimately because it's to them that the kingdom belongs, right? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right. So um, it's to those, those who are persecuted, by the way, for righteousness sake. Persecution comes for many different reasons. And if we are persecuted because we're jerks, there is no blessing in that. Right. If we're persecuted um, for uh, for being unkind, uh, you know, or just being disobedient, insulting, or, foolish, whatever, none of those things ultimately um, are, are proved to be uh, blessed. But the blessedness comes in the fact that we are persecuted for being like our Savior, persecuted for obeying Him and walking, you know, in His in His footsteps. Right? When we're blessed, we're blessed in that because. It's to that group of people that the kingdom belongs. Right. In fact, isn't there a, a text in First Peter mm-hmm. that speaks to this particularly, that we ought not to experience suffering for the kind of wrongdoing that we would see the world it, it, involved it's in? It's 1 Peter 4. Uh, and, and In fact, let me read it. Verse 12, the following says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fire trial 
when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler, right? If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. So here he's made it very, very clear. There's two different categories of suffering. One for suffering because you've done evil. The other one suffering because you've done right. And that that one is blessed. The other one is the natural consequence for your evil actions. Right, right, right. And what's interesting about this particular beatitude is it starts with the promise Mm -hmm. where you have all the other, the prior beatitudes ending with the promise or the reward or the sense of well-being. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, and so forth. But this starts out, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Yeah. And so we we start there first. And so that reward, no doubt, has some eternal uh, ramifications to it has some an immediate kind of, of uh, ramifications to it. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It has that eschatological meaning. Well, and, and 12 is going to explain that. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. So I right. think the primary right. uh, fulfillment of this would have to be um, you know, eternal right. eschatological. Which, by the way, did you notice the posture that we are to take in the midst of this persecution? You just said it. Rejoice uh-huh. and be glad. Yeah, the response are the, is joy. The, the right response to persecution is joy. And we, have, we see this in Acts 5 when um, the, you know, the disciples are beaten. We have this in Philippians 1, right? Don't be frightened by anything. Don't be startled when it comes upon you. I mean, you know, this is a sign of their judgment and of your salvation. God has actually called you not only to believe but also to suffer, right? And, and so what you can see when suffering comes is that you're actually fulfilling God's intent for you, right. right? So count it joy. I mean, James says as much, right? Right. So the right response is joy. In the right. And, p- and perhaps one that's implied here and is not as explicit as rejoice and uh, be um, glad is the idea of perseverance. Yes. No, no doubt. to continue to persevere in spite of the persecution that is coming Well, and that would speak to the perspective of it. Why why do you, according to this, what is the right perspective in the context of suffering? Well, the reason we persevere ultimately is because our perspective is eternal. It's not temporal, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we stay the course because we know that the reward is great. Mm -hmm. We know that our inheritance is reserved there for us. We stay the course so that we can see and inherit and and have all those things that are ours because of of our union with Christ. I said just a moment ago that that there's some temporal, immediate kind of um, ramifications to this idea, I think, in that when we are persecuted or when there's suffering, there, the, the spiritual um, awareness, this spiritual desire, the spiritual perspectives change. And there, and there is a sense that we, we come into the presence of God with a greater clarity, with, with a, a sense of security, a sense of assurance, a sense of peace. Even, even as we are in the midst of 
what is painful, and it can be bodily pain, it can be uh, mental, emotional. Um, there's a sense, you hear it all the time, well, this particular thing happened to me, and I'm thankful that it did because it brought me closer to God like I'd never experienced. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that part of that is suffering, persecution, however you want to, whatever we want to refer to it as in the context of this, it really does, in, in a sense, break us of this world. I mean, we have such a, a, an attachment naturally to to the temporal ex- our temporal existence. And when these things get hard here, it, it really serves to um, to to give us a taste for the eternal, yes. a taste for heaven, right. a taste for when all of this will ultimately be gone, and we will know nothing but Christ and His and His beauty and His glory. Right. And so I think it does. It breaks, and I think that's the whole intent of it, yes, right? right? Is to is to show um, that that God is 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 perfect. He's is wonderful. He's beautiful, and He's what's to be strived for. Yes, yeah. yes. And in the midst of our persecution, in the midst of our suffering. Um, we, we, we have Christ as our example, where Peter talks about uh, endure it just as Jesus endured it. For the joy set before him, mm-hmm. right? That's right. what he's telling us to do. Right. He's saying there's, there's a, an unbelievable, immense joy and benefits at the end of this. Right. Endure. Right. And that's, of course, is easy for us to say. But right, right, we're sitting in a comfortable room that's air-conditioned and comfortable chairs, and, right. and um, we have good lives. We're blessed, and um, it's easy for us to say, this is how we ought to react. This is what we ought to do. Rejoice and be glad. Um, when the rubber hits the road, that's going to tell the tale of where we are spiritually. Yeah. Um, so the the fact that Jesus says that the students are not above his master, that, that we can expect persecution, how that plays out in terms of bodily uh, harm and um, detriment to us, I'm not sure. But perhaps um, the insults and the sneers and the... Even in our culture now, I think, Philip, what we see in our headlines, I think it's becoming more and more clear that Christianity is going to be squeezed, and we are the ones who are intolerant. Well, is that—and I was going to ask you that question. Maybe this will lead into that. Why don't you think that as Christians, especially in in Western culture, that we're not—that we don't suffer more persecution? Why do you think that we tend to be— I mean, do you simply think it's because of religious liberty or because I don't? I think there's probably other reasons. What do you think? Well, I, I think religious liberty is part of it, but primarily, and I think this is where you were going, uh, we're not poor in spirit. We're not mourning over our sin. We're not meek. We're, we're not hungry and thirsting for righteousness. We're not merciful. We're not pure in heart. Uh, we're not peacemakers um, to the degree that that the world sees a difference. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that we're we, we're... We're not persecuted as Christians because we're, in essence, not very good Christians. Right. <laughs> I mean, right, right. you know, we're we live lives that are cut off from the world. Right. Right. Irrelevant to yes, it. Yes. We live lives of hidden Christianity. Yeah. Right. We look like the world. Right. right. Um. Are, and and we ultimately Christianity is costly. We don't like it. Right. Right. We don't want to pay. We don't want to take up our cross. We don't want to give up. Um, you know, our sin. We don't want to do whatever. Right. And so we are so uh, unlike what modern Christianity has said in their pragmatic f- philosophical approach to evangelism, right? 
I can only be relevant to the world if I'm like them. So let's go out and look like your neighbor, act like your neighbor, dress like your neighbor, smell like your neighbor, and you'll attract your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the scripture speaks very differently. And right. it says that when you're like that, you're actually utterly irrelevant right. and, and, and of no consequence to your neighbor. But we have bought that somewhere along the way. Right. And I think, well, why would I persecute the neighbor who looks and acts and smells just like me? Right. And it's probably um, no accident that immediately following these verses that we're reading, verses 10, 11, and 12 of the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. that Jesus goes right into verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. That's it. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Yeah, that's the that's the that's the picture. I think is right. ultimately if you're living the 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 first seven, eight is going to be reality. Right. But eight if it's is not a reality. Then you then you're probably not the salt of the earth, right? right? You're right. probably not those things because um, there. Uh, because you are, have chosen to live a life that is completely irrelevant by looking and acting just like the culture around you. Right. And I do. I think that's probably the reason. Well, in essence, the world is tolerant and, and of us and will be tolerant of them. Right. That's really our, our, you know, let's live and let live, as the Beatles, right? <laughs> or right. live and let die, right. I guess is their <laughs> song. But that's, the, that's that kind of thing, mentality. And that's just, um, uh, that's, uh, ultimately, we... Uh, that only serves us, show us irrelevant, and to leave our culture in the grips of its sin. Right. And we're so easy, we're so prone as Christians, and, and this is chasing a little bit of rabbit, and probably we don't need to go far into this, but it's so easy for for us to be brainwashed and like the things that the culture likes and, and participate in the things that the culture participates in, and, and, and we don't even know it. We don't even realize um, what we're doing because it's so it's so easily to um, like the frog in the kettle with the boiling water. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's so easily to uh, surround us and become part of us. Where again, we are salt without saltiness. Well, let's think just for a minute, Philip. Without going too much further into that, um, do you think we ought to go looking for persecution? Um, yes and no. And let me say, no, in the sense that I don't think you should purposely try to be offensive to anybody. But um, but I do think that there's a sense in which we look for persecution as we see the way that culture is, um, you know, is living, the way that culture is acting, the things that they find relevant, and we, um, you know, we look distinct from them. I think in in that case, as we seek to be obedient, and uh, we should be expecting, uh, we should be expecting persecution. So in that sense, I would say yes, we should be looking for it. We should be looking actively for it as we um, as we engage the culture with the truth and, and those kind of things. So there's a sense in which no, no, you don't want to uh, be a jerk. And expect that, you know, you're not looking for it in that way, but you should be actively recognizing the sinful uh, patterns of our culture and acting against them and, um, and, and expect it. Right. Expect it. Yeah. Yeah. So 
how should we think as Christians about our religious liberty? I mean, should we mourn and begrudge the fact that we have those? Well, I'm, I'm going to probably say something that I don't, um, that may not be completely, um, not everybody's, I have a view on this that I don't know that everybody else would have, okay? So I'll share it. I don't know that Christian liberty is a good thing. And I'll tell you, or I shouldn't say Christian liberty, religious liberty. Let me rephrase that. Okay. I do think Christian liberty is a good thing. Right. I don't think religious liberty is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, and I may have set you up with that. I may have said Christian when I meant religious. Yeah, but and the reason I say that is because um, I, um, ultimately, I don't think that there should be. I mean, I'm not trying to set up a theocracy, but I don't know that it's a good thing that Muslims can worship and, and Hindus can worship. I mean, w- the testimony of Scripture is that every time those things were, um, were put forth, I... I'm not calling anybody to act, go act out against Muslims or Hindus. That's not what I'm doing. Right. But what I am saying is, though, um, it's not a good thing that um, we offer freely in our society, a God-created, God-given world, uh, that we would give um, freedom, if you will, to worship other gods. Right? It's just not offered. In fact, one of God, the, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's not just the Christians. That is a universal statement. If you're not doing that, you're in violation of the Creator. Right, mm-hmm. and so um, I don't know that religious liberty, this idea, and I don't even think it was ultimately intended to be religious liberty in the sense that I, I think. Maybe I misunderstand history, but my understanding of it is that it really was meant to say there's going to be no Christian denomination that's favored one over the other, right? Right, right. When we talked about... And no, no government interference within... Within the Christian, you know, right. denominations, right. right? So, you know, you can, you can be Baptist or Presbyterian or, you know, Methodist or whatever the case right. may be. But um, somewhere along the way, that is, uh, we have given equal... Um, voice and equal thought and equal um, importance to all religions, right? As if they all ultimately are equal, and they're not. Right. They're not. In fact, um, they all of them are equal but one, and they're all equally evil, right? Um, except for one, and one offers the truth, and that is the truth of Jesus Christ. So, um, yeah, I I think um, I guess to get back to your question. I I think that um, religious liberty is probably ultimately not helpful. Mm. Because it it does shield us from persecution to some extent, which is um, ultimately needed in the context of our sanctification. Right. So in a, in a real sense, religious liberty robs us of needed sanctification. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, comforts us in our um, tolerant, uh, pragmatic. Um, you know, evangelicalism, right? And um, and I think probably leaves us um, with a, uh, uh, like I said, uh, an ultimate irrelevancy to our culture. So I I don't know that it's helpful. Right. I think it also uh, skews our eschatological uh, viewpoints. Oh, no doubt. It, it 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 makes the United States the centerpiece of the Second Coming, for example. Th- those kinds of things. You know, in fact, I heard a guy this week on the radio who. Um, he was, and I, and I'm sure he meant well. And he was coming from an eschatological position, and he said, um, "You know, things have never been this bad. Never been this bad. Things are so bad. Just look at our. I mean, God can't be more than two or three years away. Look at it. Never been this bad." And I thought, well, it may not have ever been this bad for the United States. Maybe, maybe that's a true statement. But it was a whole lot worse for Germany 
70 years ago than it is right now. Right. I mean, he's not, he's only thinking about this in the context of his own neighborhood. Right. Right. He's not thinking of it even in the context of the first century uh, apostolic work. Yes. The book of Acts. I mean, if you just take the whole of human history. Right. I mean, it's bad in one area, it gets better. It's bad in one area, it gets better. And this, and, and it happens to be kind of ugly for us right now. I right. get it. Right. But I, um, I, we can't uh, let our own neighborhood and the, and the situation that surrounds us at this moment in, in history uh, be the determining factor on, on our eschatology. Right, right. Yeah. So all that to um, kind of give some perspective and thought about how to think about this idea. Um, one of the things that, that we can say I think that would be helpful is educate yourself about persecuted believers. I mean, the Voice of the Martyrs is an organization that you can go online, the Voice of the Martyrs, mvom.com, I believe. Yeah, the Bo- Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's it. a yeah. great read for mm-hmm. the martyrs through history. Um, but But it's good to educate yourself. And one of the things that we do regularly on Sunday mornings is we pray for a local church, mm-hmm. sister church, but we also pray for persecuted believers in in particular nations. Right. You know, we've been praying the last two weeks for Afghanistan, but um, just help your people and all of us to recognize that in other places around the world, they don't have what we have, the privileges and the responsibilities because of those privileges that come um, so we need to be mindful that there are others in need. Yeah. And actually, you know, there's one final thing that this says about uh, embracing the, that we have good company. Yes. It says, finally, what? why? Because they persecuted the prophets before you. We're right. in good company. Yeah. I mean, they did it to them. Trust right. trust in that. He did it to them. They're going to do it to you. Right. And... um and so, um, I mean, we can we can rest in the fact that God's in control of it all. Yes, and it's not something that that you or I either one would relish, or that we're you know anticipating to some kind of joyful glee. Well, you know something, you say that, but I think there's a sense in which we probably ought to. And let me tell you why. And I don't mean that. I don't mean that. You know what I mean. Yes, you're not saying you want um, bodily harm to come to yourself. No, yeah. but you know, I listened to Paul Washer say one time, and I think this is probably true. He had a, he he at one point had a gun put to his head, you know, and someone was threatening his life, and he said that was easier. That moment was easier to endure than it is to do the mundane things you're supposed to do every day. Wow. And he said, when that moment comes, grace will be there. You'll be able to endure that moment. He said, the hard thing is enduring, you know, getting up and reading your Bible, doing your prayer. It's actually harder to live as a Christian during the month, the, the, I shouldn't say mundane, but the, the, the ordinary day, the ordinary means of grace, doing that kind of stuff. It's actually harder sometimes. And so I think sometimes we, if you can know that how difficult that part is, it might seem like it would be easier if I could just... Uh, you know, be locked up, right? right then, right. then working, trying to meet uh, needs of my family. I mean, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm, right. I'm, in, I'm in jail, right? So I can focus on the. I, I, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that I think that there is a sense in which we should recognize that there is a supernatural grace that'll be afforded to us in those moments, right? Which um, uh, it, it might make it a little easier than than sometimes it is just to do 
what we're supposed to do every day. Right. Because self-discipline and self-control are required daily. Yeah. And um, those things are not always uh, easy to live within. Right. Um, one of the things um, as we close is there's a, there's a lot of talk right now, I think, Philip, um, because of the pandemic, because of the, the U.S. government's reaction to the pandemic, because of what we've seen in Canada, what we're seeing in Australia, the, the way that um, these things seem to um, be coming against Christian and Christianity gives some people a, a sense that persecution with bodily harm, with jail time, um, is not far for just the ordinary, everyday um, Christian. Um, it's hard to say whether that's true or not. We don't know what God's um, plan and what His providence and sovereignty are going to work, mm-hmm. but it's nothing to fear or to dread. Yeah, I mean, he tells us, don't worry about these things. I mean, he just, he literally tells us that. He, if later on in the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to say, you know, a, a sparrow doesn't fall, right? right? But that I don't know that it happens. Right. Don't worry about tomorrow. I, I, I've got that under control, right? Um, I think that um, we it has to be, um, it has to be ours not to fret. If these things come, they're, they're God-given, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He'll give us the grace to endure them. And um, if he should be so gracious as to leave us without any major um, uh, persecution in our life, we probably ought to uh, recognize that our sanctification still must must tra- must happen, right? Right. And um, and uh, and sometimes uh, it's you know it's difficult, you know right. that like I said, I find that probably more difficult. I think in my mind than enduring. You know, I think I could go to jail, mm-hmm. and and that would be no big deal. Right. I think to myself, maybe it would, right. I, I, maybe, but I think I could go and I could probably um, do that kind of persecution. Okay, what's difficult is literally getting up every day and, right. and reading my Bible, spending time in prayer. You know, doing the things that we have to do as pastors and elders, and yeah, you know, and that stuff's more difficult, I think, than just being saying. Well, I'm I'm going to lock you up for being a Christian. Well, fair enough. Go go ahead, get after it. Right. I, you know, and I. So I think that uh, really our, our bigger concern shouldn't be for the moment that we're going to face ultimate really difficult persecution. Our concern should be more, how do I get through today? Right, yeah. exactly. Um, and, and along that line, speaking of eschatology, um, neither do we need to worry about how all these things will end in, and how the second coming is going to relieve us of this or how the rapture is going to relieve right. us of this. Let's just live today uh, with the things that uh, God is doing providentially in that moment. Yeah. Trusting I, that, His grace. I mean, that's what He says. He's going to keep us till the end. Right. Whatever that end looks like, we don't know. Neither should we really be concerned about. He's got us. We're in His hand. We can't be moved. He loves us, right? Right. And he has he loved us so much that he gave his own son for us. Right. And um and uh, and he's not going to lose a single one. He promises that. Yes. He promises to bring us through. He sanctifies us and glorifies us. And so hold tight to that and um and don't um if you're but um but ultimately understand that your life needs to be distinct enough from the world that um <laughs> that it notices. Right. Right. Yeah. And Jesus says in Luke chapter twelve. Verse 32, fear not, little flock, 
For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money, bags that do not grow old, with treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But the point I'm making is, uh, fear not, little flock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. got it all under control. Right. Um, as I've, there's a gospel song that says, "Don't worry about tomorrow, because God's already there." Right. 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 So he's he's got it all in control. No Amen. no big deal. Amen. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast today, and we pray, as we always do, that this podcast would be a blessing to you. This particular episode would be an encouragement to you, and we appreciate any reviews or ratings or shares, uh, good old-fashioned word of mouth, that you could uh, spread the podcast and help others to, to tune in, and perhaps they would be helped by this. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening. Amen.